I just wanted to say real quick before we start that um, whenever we uh, whenever you asked Jason this, I was I just had this feeling after meeting well not after talking to him I should say um, that Lewis was kind of this just had this feeling about. feeling has been borne out. I just wanted to tell you guys that um, as I've gotten to know Leah and Hannah and Lydia and John, um, they actually probably love him a little more than Jason. <laughs> and rightly so. Rightly. Um, and uh, it's been awesome. And we just look forward to where God's going to take us from here. I'm very excited about that. And so I just wanted, this is pastor appreciation. It's family appreciation for me, too. We just appreciate all of you, and we love each of you. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you that we can come, we can open this word that you gave us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, open our hearts to receive it. Uh, open my mind to receive your wisdom. So we're going to talk about uh, Hebrews 11 this morning. That's where we're going to be. That's the passage. Faith. What is it? And by way of introduction, I just want to start with uh, the dictionary. I love words. Um, and so I like to begin with words. Uh, definition of faith. This first one is interesting. Uh, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Okay, that's the first definition of faith. And the context they gave me for that was this restores one's faith in politicians. I thought that was humorous. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in politicians. Uh, maybe if we had in Washington and they all got saved and began professing Christ as Savior, I guess that could restore my faith in politicians. But we, the definition of faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So we're going to put our faith in something, right? Like for instance, you're sitting in a chair and you sat in it, you had faith that they thought that the chair would hold you up. It's not going to collapse, right? Okay? We're going to put our faith in something. The second definition that we had for faith was a belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Interesting word, apprehension. It's like a criminal's apprehended. How do they get a criminal? You know, how do they apprehend him? They grasp him. They get a hold of him. They pursue him. They look at him. They study him. 
And I think in the same way, that's how we will have faith in God. We study him. We apprehend a knowledge of him. Interesting choice of words. The Greek word for faith is pistis. Pistis. Don't speak Greek, so anyway, it's all Greek to me. It means persuasion or conviction. Persuasion. The definition of persuasion is the act, action, or fact of someone being persuaded to do or believe. Conviction is the quality of showing that one is firmly convinced of what one believes or says. So conviction is showing. So when I think about faith, does my life show, does it reflect that I have a conviction to believe in Jesus, to believe in God? That's what I ask myself. Hmm. Seems kind of complicated. Maybe. Not really. I think, you see, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we get a measure of faith. That's the beginning. It's in us. There's a measure. It's given to us. We believe in this miracle of salvation. We believe in things that we cannot see. So now let's look at this first verse in Hebrews. This is the biblical definition of faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. What are we hoping for that we think is going to happen? For me, two things I think of would be eternal life, salvation. But can I see him? Can I open my eyes and look at salvation? Can I open my eyes and can I see eternal life? No. I cannot. So, how are we going to understand this reality? Is it a reality? When I, when I think of this, um, I think of the wind. We were playing pickleball about a week and a half ago. And uh, it was so cool. There was these, Hannah was on the same side of the court as me, and there was these weeds. There was this little batch of weeds. And do you remember Hannah just swirling around like a little was square dancing the leaves. They'd go over to the corner. It was amazing. It was so cool. I think about a hurricane. Think about a hurricane. After the hurricane comes through, I can see debris. I can see broken houses. I can see dirt. Chaos. And I think our God's a little bit like that. We can't see him, 
But around them, we see evidence of what he's doing all the time if we're able to look, if we take the time to look. You can't deny his existence. He's mighty. He's working around me all the time. But I have to be looking for the results of his work. And sometimes those results don't happen right away. They don't happen immediately. I have to use that word patience. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So in the old times, the elders, the people in the church that we're going to look at here today in this chapter, they had a good testimony because of their faith, it says. They believed in God in good times. They believed in God in bad times. They believed in God every day. And I cannot stress enough how much reading these stories, looking in this book, going through and looking at all these giants of faith, reading about them and their stories, will pour faith into us. Faith into me. I cannot stress it enough. You know, we all have moments when our faith it's normal when we think Lord where is this country going it seems like the leadership is just going the wrong direction they're walking away from you father why is that I just need to look at him believe in him and the way I'm going to do that is by pouring this word into my heart. I can't get enough of it. Verse 3. By faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command, and that what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. We go back to the beginning in Genesis. Let's look at that. Genesis 1. 1 to 3. I just want to read that real quickly here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God built this world. He took nothing and he made everything we see those those hills over there I'm looking at they were made from nothing that can be seen I was made from nothing that could be seen it says he took dirt and formed me is this my reality that's what I ask myself. Do I really believe that? Do I accept it as fact that God made all of this from nothing? 
Or am I going to try to explain it away with scientific equations or mathematical formulas? What's it going to be? You see, if we don't accept God's existence, that's really going to be a huge stumbling block for us with our faith. It's going to be almost impossible. See, he's the creator. And I just said we can't see him. We talked about that. But yet we see the evidence of his creation. It's a reality. How do we accept that reality? With faith. We get into now what I like to refer to as the faith giants. And the first one is Abel. And you can, uh, good challenge for y'all is go through and look at these stories because we're going to go through them fast this morning. I'd be here for a couple hours if I tried to do all these faith stories in detail. But we'll give you a, a quick overview with like uh, Hebrews does here. Abel, by faith, uh, verse 4, sorry. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So Abel brought, if we remember, he brought his firstborn of his flock, his first, his lamb, precious, perfect lamb without blemish. Cain brought produce. Abel's sacrifice pleased God. Cain's didn't. Abel had faith that God would replace what he was given up. His motivation and his heart trusted God. Now this is, we get to the, the hard part here. Abel, everything went totally perfectly rosy with Abel, right? Not so much. He was murdered by his brother. This is difficult. It's a difficult part to teach. I wrote this down. I went, oh. We have to trust God for his plans for us. In the present, in the now, trust is present for everything that's happening for a better future. Long game. Fable. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. So Enoch's claim to fame, he pleased God. And Enoch's an interesting one. He just goes along, and then it says he's no more. Well, he just done, when he's done, he goes home. No old age, no sickness, no nothing. It says he lived 365 years in close relationship 
with God, close fellowship with God. I think that's where we're starting to see a pattern here. Relationship, fellowship with God. It's the key to faith. He pleased God. Enoch pleased God. Took him home. It's an amazing story. So cool. What would it take for me to get close to that, that close to God? They would just take me home when I'm done. I think about that. Now you got to understand, this is before God sick of God. God got sick of looking at people. You laugh, but it's true. Genesis six three says, and I quote: "The Lord said." My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. They are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Genesis 6, 3. Evidently, they weren't all like Enoch. He was displeased with some of us. I did a search. I was just curious. The oldest person living today is Lucille Randon. She's in France. She is 118 years and 73 days as of April 2022. You think she'll make it to 121? Just wondering. This is the keystone to this passage here, part of it, verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. we got to believe that God exists. He is who he says he is. God rewards those. We've also got to believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. And it's impossible to please him without these things. It just is. As I said at the beginning, we're going to have faith in something. There's people out there that are actually putting their faith in our current administration, our current government. They put their faith in that. And even if we had a different set of people in office now that we really liked better, that's not where we should be putting our faith. That's not where I should be putting my faith. My faith should be in God, that he exists, he is who he says he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And the rewards, we got to be careful with those. They could come right away. They could come later. The rewards need to be viewed through the lens of eternity. So do I believe this? More importantly, does my life reflect that I do believe this? I hope so. Sometimes I think it does. 
if I'm really honest, sometimes I think it doesn't. Noah. Wow, Noah. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood while he was living in the desert. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before, flood in the desert. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah. We read that Noah, in Genesis, his story is covered in 6 to 9, was a righteous man. He was blameless. There it is again. He lived in close fellowship, had a relationship with God. God tells him to build a boat. He lives in a desert. It doesn't rain there. God tells him he's going to destroy all the evil people around him. Note Noah doesn't ask any questions. Wonder what that conversation went like at the dinner table when he went home that night. Honey, uh, we're going to build a great big boat. There's going to be a flood. What do you think his wife and his kids said? You think it was questions? I think there was probably questions. A boat? What do we need a boat for? You're kidding me. Have you lost your mind? Noah's faith in God walked him through this process, though. He was one of our faith giants. We get to Abraham and Sarah. It was by faith Abraham obeyed when he called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as it is his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner, living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed God would keep his promise. And a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Abraham, God tells him to leave his house. He didn't even know where he's going. He goes. He went by faith. God promised him a new land, a great and mighty nation that was going to be as numerous with people as the sands on the seashore. One problem, he didn't have a son. How's that going to happen, God? I don't have a son. Sarah. Remember the three at Mamre, the three visitors came to Sarah and Abram. She was Abram, then he was Abraham. Visit him at the tent. Three visitors come. They tell him, Sarah's going to have a child. What Sarah do? She laughs. Ah, me, I'm 100 years old. I'm way too old for this. Like that's going to happen. 
Abram when they went into Egypt, he's telling everybody that, uh, oh, this isn't my wife. You see, she was so beautiful, he was afraid that the king would kill him to get her. So he's telling everybody, this is my sister. Well, she's not my wife. But yet, we look in here in Hebrews, and Paul is telling us they had great faith. They were two amazing people of faith, two flawed people. To me, this is encouraging because I'm more like Abraham. I'm, I don't get it sometimes. You see, God can use all of us in here. He can use me. He can use you. If we just trust him, we have faith in him. If we put our sins behind us, we repent, we walk away from them, God can use us. You see, God people sees people differently than we do. 1 Samuel 16, 7, uh, a little context just so we don't take this out of context, but uh, Samuel is anointing the new king of Israel. And the same, uh, Jesse's kids are all being paraded in front of him. Lord says to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, God can see the faith that's in our hearts. He can. He knows. He looks at things differently. He takes flawed people like Abram and Sarah and he uses them because he knows what's in their hearts. There was something good in there that he saw. And so when you when you mess up, you know, when you do something dumb like I do every day, that's not the end. God looks at my heart. He knows I want to do good. He knows I want this message to glorify him. And I'll stumble through it. He knows our hearts. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. He has, for he has prepared a city for them. You know, in John 14, 1 to 4, it tells us, he tells his disciples, I go before you to prepare a place for you, a city, a mansion, and many mansions. That's his promise. And these people of old, they believed in God's promises. They went, Abraham and Sarah, as foreigners into a different land. They're getting tense. Because 
they believed in his promises for them in the future. They only saw it dimly, but they realized their heavenly home was prepared and that this worldly realm they were living in was only temporary. It was not their permanent home. Philippians 3.20, you read that one for you real quick. Philippians 3.20 says, We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus lives, and we eagerly wait for him to return as our Savior. So they were citizens of heaven, and they believed it. They believed in it. out of order there. Okay. Moses, we get to next. And I'm just going to skip a few verses here. I'll read them, but I won't uh, emphasize them a lot. You can, that'll be part of your assignment when you go home. <laughs> it was by faith Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So Abraham offered to sacrifice his son. He was going to be the future. He was going to give him up for God. That's faith. It was by faith Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw God had given them an unusual child. They were not afraid to disobey God's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of the fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than, own, than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Moses. When he was a baby, his mom had to give him up because the king was killing all the babies. He ends up being raised in the Egyptian palace. He chooses to give all that up to follow God's call. God tells him, you're going to lead the people out 
you're gonna take them when they come out of Egypt. So what's Moses do when God tells him that? Yeah, let's go. No. No. He says, Lord, I can't speak this. My brother's way better at this than me. Lord, uh, why don't why don't uh, why don't you find somebody else? I, I this ain't me. I, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, that's Moses. But yet somehow, later on in the story, after M Moses murders an Egyptian, we see him in the tent getting specific directions from God repeatedly over and over. He gets to be in God's presence. How does that happen? I believe it was Moses' faith. God could see into his heart. He knew Moses was a man of great faith. He followed God's instructions to the letter. To the letter. And as I studied this, I just, there's a couple passages that really jumped out at me here. Look at 1126. He, Moses, thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Huh. Almost, you read that, it almost, you think, makes me think, did Moses know Jesus? A little extra homework this week. You look that up. Study on that. Think about that. You can get back to me or Pastor Jason. He and I talked about that this week. Did Moses know Jesus? Onward we go. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea as though they were all on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to fall, they were drowned. Picture this. Moses is standing there, the priest is standing there, the water's all put up like a heap. It says, okay, get through there. I can just hear me. I'd be saying, Lord, my feet are going to get muddy, aren't they? I mean, I'm in mud on my sandals. Am I supposed to go through there? You ever been to an aquarium? Think about that. You walk by the three columns, that column of water. It's like 40 feet tall. And you see a shark swimming by. You walk by. It's kind of creepy, isn't it? But by faith, we can walk through there. We know that glass is probably a foot thick. It's going to all our water back, right? My faith tells me no, that water's not going to come after me. It'll be okay. Jericho. Lost my place there. It's by faith the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days 
and the wall can see him crashing down. What if they only went around six times? What would have happened? Nothing, I think. Walls wouldn't have fallen down. Rahab, oh man, Rahab's awesome. Here we go, 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So Rahab is a citizen of Jericho. And uh, we see when the spies come in, she gives them shelter. And she's so different that I just, I just got to read you this. It's so beautiful. I got to go back to Joshua 2 and read you this. Rahab. This is what she said. I know the Lord has given you this land. She's telling this to the spies. She's a prostitute in Jericho. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. We have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. We know what you did to Og and Sihon, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts melt in fear. No one has the courage to fight after such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab chose to believe in God, and she and her family were blessed because of it. That is so amazing. You think about that. She is a different, she's not a Hebrew. She, but she's got faith. Faith. So beautiful. Do we have faith like that? Do I have faith like that? She and her family were blessed because of it. God had great things in store for Rahab. He was going to use her mightily. Faith. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle put the whole army to flight. Women received their loved ones back from death. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Legend has it that's how Isaiah died. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, 
Daniel. The word tells us all these guys were amazing. They overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received God's promises, shut the mouths of lions, put out fires, walked through fires. Notice in Hebrews, there's not a word about a coward hiding in a wine press. Gideon. Not a word about a coward who wouldn't go to battle without a woman beside him. Barak. Not a word about an adulterer and a murderer, David. Not a word about an instigator of civil war, Jephthah. As I said earlier, God looks at things a little differently than we do. He's able to look straight into those people's hearts and use them for his purpose. Because they had faith. Because they believed in God. The fulfillment for them, and it's the same with us in Christ, is the resurrection and the eternal life. All persons of faith who's gone before us have focused their faith on God and his promises. The fulfillment of those promises is it's now come in Jesus. And our redemption is complete in him. Now these saints of old never experienced the completion, the fulfillment of God's promises in their lifetimes. But only after their earthly deaths when they went to heaven. They chose to trust in a heavenly kingdom that God prepared for them. They believed in God's kingdom. You see, faith has to have an object. And the object of genuine faith is God. It's God. I believe after our initial measure of faith, that faith is a decision. I decide I believe in God, I believe in all his promises, I believe in heaven. Not because of the evidence that's there, but because I believe in him. Feelings. A lot of people base their faith on feelings. Faith can waver. Feelings can waver. One day we can feel sad, one day we can feel happy. Feelings come, feelings go. Will we decide to place our total faith in God and all of his promises? I believe that that is the question that we have to answer. That's the question that we need to answer. And you say, yeah, that's a a lot, John. It seems like all the stories just hard for me to hang on to. You know, it's just really difficult. I wanted to share, you know, just a story out of my life. Um, this message went 
a lot faster than I thought it would. <laughs> Not surprising for me. But um, just story experience from my life and how God grows our faith because I think God uses people and circumstances in our lives to grow our faith. So Pat and I were living in a trailer at the time, double-wide trailer. Um, we wanted a house. Um, and actually, the story starts before that. I'm messing up the story at the beginning. The story starts with our first house purchase. God set up roadblocks to make sure that we didn't buy this house in Grand Junction. And I mostly, my wife was dragging behind me, trying to slow me down, blew right through all these roadblocks that God had set up in the way of purchasing this house. We bought the house anyway. Long story short, we ended up giving that house back to the bank. The house we paid $58,000 for was now worth $25,000, one winner at auction. We ended up giving it back to the bank. Fast forward, the reason I tell you that story is now we're pre-approved. We have our down payment in order. Uh, we're going to purchase a house here at Gunnison. So this time we sought God. We had faith that he would look after us. So we consulted friends. We got Pastor Chris and uh, friend Joanne, and the four of us went into this house that we were looking at that we were going to put an offer on. We all hold hands and we're praying in this house. Lord, please, you know, just give us a sign. Show us, you know, what your will is concerning purchasing this house. And right then, it wasn't windy that day. A huge gust of wind blows the door open. And we had prayed, open the door. We're supposed to get this house. The wind blows this door open. Yay! We're going to get this house. This is great. God answers prayers. This is so cool. We're getting a house. Yes! Fast forward three weeks later. It rains in February in Gunnison. Three days. It rains. Rains. Hit a Chinook, they call it. Comes through. Rains. Get a call from the realtor. We had put in an offer on this house. Uh, John, there is a little problem. Uh, there were cracks in the foundation of this house. But all the damage is fixed. We want you to come in and look at it. What? Cracks in the foundation? That just doesn't sound very good. So Pat and I go in and we look at this house. They kind of hacked at the basement back together. The porch was, uh, it had been yanked off by a bulldozer and then just kind of put back loosely on some dirt. It was all hacked up, the corners of it were all mashed, it looked nasty. Uh, talking to the realtor, I go, well, really isn't the house that we looked at originally, is it? It's not as good. Uh, they kind of dropped the price some, maybe, because it's kind of not the same. No, 
they're not. As a matter of fact, they, they really want to ask for more if they re-listed. So when the realtor began to put pressure on me, you know, when you renege on deals in Gunnison, John, it's a small town, uh, word gets around, you won't be able to buy another house because everyone will know you're not a man of your word. I'm getting all this from him. What do we do? We prayed about it. We felt like maybe we're not supposed to get this house. Lord, I was confused. You know, in the middle, I'm confused. Now I'm, I thought we were supposed to get this house. But now it's a mess. And they want the same amount of money. What's up, Lord? So I told them no. I said no. They kind of reluctantly, you know, okay, well, we didn't get that house. Fast forward. A few more months. Pastor Chris, who prayed in the first house with us, and his wife Julia are looking at a second house. They call us. We found, Julie tells us, we found the perfect house for you. Wow. We end up getting that house. It was perfect for us. It's the house we live in today, 20 years later. Amazing. Why do I tell this story? I think feelings, see in the middle, I was confused. I didn't understand. But God works long term. See, he works in eternity. His realm is in eternity. God knew long term, this is going to be the place for us. That's the lesson for me. Have faith. Trust God. Trust God. His timing is perfect. Again, faith is a decision. Feelings come, feelings go. Faith in God and eternal life and salvation is forever. And I know I didn't totally follow the outline. I'm sorry. Parts of it are there. I would challenge all of you to uh, go look at some of these stories. They're amazing. Lord, thank you so much for today. And uh, as we go out, help us to live our lives and reflect the faith that you, you rule. That you do give us eternal life. You do give us salvation when we give our lives to you. And we just believe that in Jesus' name. Amen.